Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your favorite host, Sarah Cohan. I am, as always, so excited to be back today. I am editing and recording from my mom's lovely house in Monterey, California. I um, have an ocean, a sliver of ocean view out my window while I'm speaking to all of you. And I am just so delighted to come home. Every time I come home, I thoroughly enjoy um, memories from my childhood that I haven't thought of or like patterns that I notice from my family and just like delight in um, just kind of my upbringing. And then also... um, patterns or programming that I want to work through. So it's always super, super fun. And this time is absolutely no different. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm here for the week and I am um, just enjoying this beautiful Monterey fog. And I'm glad that the smoke has kind of cleared. I think it's cleared. It's so hard to tell smoke or fog. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm actually really excited today, or sorry, I'm excited for today's episode with Flora Ong. She is a fantastic dating and relationship coach, and she's also a matchmaker by day. So she's constantly in and out of um, different relationships, getting people together and helping people stay together, which is amazing. And with her, we discuss attachment theory which is my new favorite thing. I talked a little bit about it at the intro to last week's episode. It's something I've been studying for the past couple of months. And it's definitely made a huge um, difference in my life to realize what the different traits are of each attachment style, and then reprogram to um, move towards secure attachment style. Super cool. Um, And I love the way that Flora describes attachment theory from memories of childhood. Like I've, you know, I've always taken a test and then I've like talked about all the different traits that I exhibit and partners, you know, just like trying to see how it relates to every person that I know in life. Um, but Flora very beautifully describes it basically from the beginning. And I think, you know, childhood memories are, can be few and far between. So it's pretty easy to distill, that information down into, um, your attachment style. Super cool. So, um, yeah, we get into it. I talk about my attachment style. Um, I of course talk about, um, my relationship with my beautiful husband. And, um, we also talk about how to use attachment style moving forward. If you happen to be dating, or even if you're making new friendships. And I also like to look at this for work. I kind of use attachment style to like think about everything in my life. I even think about it with my gorgeous dog, Frida. I think she's anxious for sure. And so I try to um, (laughs) think about what her core wounds would be, which is definitely abandonment and how to, um, make her life easier when I'm leaving or doing difficult things so that, um, her attachment style isn't like triggered. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is um, pretty difficult because she can't talk to me, but we, we have a connection, you guys. We, we definitely do. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you are enjoying the show, I would very much, or even if you're not enjoying the show, I would very much appreciate if you helped me fill out a survey. I would love to hear from you to hear why you listen to the show, what you want more of, um, because I want to make the show for you. This is like resources that I've enjoyed, um, that I want to share with you guys. So please visit my website to take the survey. The website is www.sarahcohan.com. And you'll see a little button to take the survey and I'm going to enter whoever enters or whoever completes the survey will be entered to win a 15 minute stories telling session with me, yours truly. Um, so I know everyone's got a story to tell and we'll walk through kind of the different parts of your story and then we'll workshop it together, map it together. So you've got a polished story in your pocket and it can be about anything. It can be a relationship story. It can be an attachment theory story. It can be a funny story. Those are my favorite, obviously. Um, it can be a manifestation story. It can be a childhood memory that you're definitely processing and want to polish, um, from, from the end point or maybe from the middle point. We don't know. We'll get into it. (laughs) So yeah, please, 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 um, visit my website, S A R A H C O H A N.com. That's sarahcohan.com. Thank you so much. Let's get to the episode. Record to this computer. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) so cute okay (laughs) hi flora thank you so much for being here welcome to lit af thank you i'm excited to be here oh yeah this is like we're getting into some juicy topics this is like my favorite thing so i'm so freaking excited um Oh, good. Okay. So to kick us off, I was just, I would love to hear how, um, how you became a matchmaker and a dating coach. Um, so, uh, I kind of came into it, uh, naturally, um, organically, I'd like to say I got divorced, um, and started dating like a maniac <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well done. <laughs> And at the same time, I was um, studying to be a health and life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was dating and making all these crazy, like doing these crazy things and making a lot of mistakes and watching myself make them through the lens of like this life coaching thing. Whoa. And, you know, very consciously continuing to make them wow. <laughs> and not understanding why I couldn't really stop myself from making them. Um, and yeah, so I ended up switching my niche to date coaching, date relationship coaching. And, um, somehow, you know, how the world, the universe works to bring you what you need. Always. <laughs> I, um, found this job as a matchmaker. Wow. And, yeah. 
like a listing, which who lists for matchmakers, right? <laughs> How is that? I would imagine they're in high demand these days. Well, these days it's because I, I at least because I'm maybe in the field, it's like a, I'm a more aware of it. So there are more matchmaking services than I realized at the time. But at that time, I didn't even think that was a thing. Like I, I thought you, it was one of those things that was passed down from generation to generation. You know? <laughs> like your bubby. Like, yeah. Like Fiddler on the Roof style, you know? Like, I love that. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a real job. You're like, oh, I can get paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the while um, I was writing a book. I've been writing a book about my dating experiences. So watch um, out for that one day. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Okay. Well, I'm curious to hear what it was like becoming a coach and also watching yourself make the mistakes that like you're learning about, like what, what did you, how were you gentle with yourself through all of that? Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I, at the time, like I said, it was a health and life coaching certifications. I was really working a lot on, um, my health stuff. And I think one of the things that you do learn in any kind of mindfulness practice and any kinds of, um, uh, you know, conscious thinking is to be gentle with yourself, you know? Um, and one of the things that I really have to learn and continually have to learn is patience, you know, not just outward patience, but patience with myself. Um, I'm an Aries, I'm a New Yorker, I'm Russian. I need everything now, 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 not to mention in this era <laughs> where we have everything now, now, now on our yeah. phone, you know? Um, so it's, you know, it's, a it's been a big like learning, like life learning lesson for me to just be patient and learn that things will come and give things space, uh, and time. But yeah, that was, uh, that was a big part of being gentle with myself is, was being patient with the process. Wow. That's huge. Especially yeah. in this. I mean, right now it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all stuck waiting anyway. <laughs> Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what were like some of the experiences that, um, I'm curious about your book and then also uh-huh. like, what were some of the experiences that you were like, were your biggest learning moments? Um, <laughs> It's funny because people are listening now. <laughs> <laughs> they sure are. They're excited. <laughs> um, there were a few like big, um, there were a few big ones. One of them was, you know, I had gotten into this very, um, you know, and I think we'll get into the kind of attachment style stuff maybe, but I was in this, what I now understand as a very anxious avoidant relationship. Mm-hmm. Um early on, like almost straight out of my, um, divorce. It was one of the first, you know, tinders. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, I, it was, you know, I would, I was however old, 39, 40 at the time I had two kids. I thought I was supposed to know had a date now, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. supposed to know these things. Um, it's supposed to be natural. It's supposed to like flow. And I was like a 16 year old hysterical crying, Mm -hmm. like on the regular, because this guy wouldn't call me back, you know, or yeah. Yeah. Like stupid, like things that you think you're not supposed to be at this age in your life, you know? Um, and it's, this is really why I got into this work because when I realized why, you know, 
this was happening, that it was such a subconscious thing that it had nothing to do with what I'm supposed to know or what, you know, what I should know by this point in life or whatever. Um, it was, it changed my life, you know, and I just hope to like bring that peace to people, um, dating. I love that. That's so, that's so tough too, because I'm imagining I don't have kids, but I would imagine Mm -hmm. too, that you're trying to model to your children, like good dating practices while you're also trying to (laughs) exhibit them. (laughs) I have to say that the one, one thing I'm very like kind of proud of myself for is that my one line was always my kids. So I've actually never introduced my kids to anybody that I've dated and they've never known very much um, because I've never, I've recognized that nobody that I've dated has been worth the introduction, you know, oh, there's not been anybody in my life that I've dated for long enough or seriously enough that, um, that I would introduce them to. So, uh, that's been like a line in the sands for me. And, nice. um, it's been a very healthy one. It's something, you know, that I'm like really happy about. And specifically that guy showed me early on that he was not somebody I could introduce my kids mm. to. But what's interesting with, attachment stuff and how it's linked to self-worth is that even though I knew he wasn't good enough for my kids, I still allowed him in my life for two and a half years. I mean, you know, Uh, yeah. So that's its own, you know, that's its own thing. (laughs) Sounds familiar. Been there. (laughs) We'll probably do it again. Not, or not. not who knows I don't know I don't know who knows but yeah I I get that in in any relationship dating or not I feel like that is that's real oh, thank you for sharing that yeah um well I guess that dovetails perfectly so I would love to hear from like now learning all of his attachment style and we're gonna oh, get into it guys okay. there's a lot of names there's a lot of like reasons why this you know attachment styles come up but I'm so curious um what was your marriage like? Why did it end? And like, what, what were your takeaways from it? Um, okay. I'm going to try and surmise 14 years of my <laughs> life. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. We can do a part two if necessary. <laughs> um, if I like in, in really in summation and also because I don't know, I think I have some weird protective mechanism in my being that doesn't uh allow me to have too many memories like I have a really bad memory so <laughs> oh my god it's incredible <laughs> I'm know, always like jealous of people like that yeah I, I barely remember anything and so um I I really think I got married really young right we got married at I was 24 he was 21 wow um and we, and it was just way too young for anybody to ever get married. Like if I could change the law, I would not allow people to get married before the age of 30. I just think it's insanity, right? <laughs> Complete and total insanity to do that. Your brain's not fully formed yet. Like stop it. Okay. You <laughs> do not need to be making lifelong decisions, you know? Oh, um, but, um, but we got married very young and, um, I think like in looking back that I don't think I really grew emotionally or mentally within that relationship. I think I got stuck at that age. Um, And we just, you know, out of 
programming, um, meaning like, you know, kind of the Disney, the Disney idea of what a marriage is supposed to be and what love is supposed to be and in every romantic comedy you've ever seen where you live happily ever after. And, you know, um, I think, you know, that's what was running the show for me when mm. I got married. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we never, we never even got along, you know, you know, we loved each other, I guess at some point. Right. But we were never capable of, um, solving problems together. He was never the support that I needed. I would always go to like my sister or, you know, friends for the support that I needed. Um, I was never the support he needed. You know, we did not know how to, um, help each other and our emotional, you know, when we were emotionally needy and stuff. So, uh, yeah. And the fact that we lasted 14 years, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) We barely made it out alive. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So after like, were you a coach when you guys were married or is that like a post-marriage thing? Yeah. Got it. Interesting. So now that you have this lens of like being a dating coach and a relationship coach and now attachment theory, I'm so curious, like Uh back, like what, Uh what was happening? I like I said, because I don't have like this great memory. I mean, without a doubt, I was anxiously attached when I was younger. I remember, I mean, fr- I remember like, I'm like textbook anxious attachment. Um, so I know that within our relationship, like that probably played itself out a lot, mm. but I, I don't have this like strong memory. The most I can say, like the, the way that I think about my marriage is we were way too young and, you know, we had no business uh, getting married and, you know, I mean, I have two gorgeous kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do have two gorgeous kids and wouldn't change that for anything, you know? Um, yeah. Amazing. I love that. Well, lucky you and your (laughs) short-term memory. I had a friend recently who said, um, I'm really, I can easily separate my memories from my emotions. So she's like, wow. So she doesn't have like all of this baggage of like, you know, traumatic experiences or wow. whatever uh-huh. from people. So she's just been like actively kind of dating this guy for like a super long time. Uh-huh. And they're like kind of on again, off again, uh-huh. good for each other, not great uh-huh. for each other. Right. And she just keeps like, but she's like, I can just separate it from him. And I know I'm like getting my needs met in a certain way from him uh-huh. during these moments. And I'm like, right. I wish I could do that. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I'd like to dig a little deeper there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's like a lot more, right. but I'm like, the ability to just not remember things would be super great. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, okay, well, let's dig into attachment theory. Okay. I'm so excited about this subject. It's something that I've also been studying for mm-hmm. you know, the last six months, and it's like really changed my life. So yeah. I don't even know where you want to start, but let's dig in. Okay. Um, I've, I've talked about it a little bit from, um, a, not a different lens, but so there, when we're young, there's this idea of uh, object constancy, right? Um, and it basically, uh, in infancy, it's you see your parent responding to your needs um, and, you know, you're crying, you need to eat. 
somebody's constantly coming in, feeding you, giving you uh, the reinforcement that you need, coddling you when you feel scared or whatever it is, um, and you start to create, you start to create this idea of object con- constancy. You believe that this person will constantly come back because they've reliably done that and they've shown you that in the early, early stages. Now this. Uh, this is not happening in your cognitive brain. This is happening in your right brain, which is also your feeling brain. So you're getting a felt sense of security um, from from this uh, from your caretaker, right? And you just start to believe inherently inside of your body. You start to feel and know that you are taken care of. You are, you know, somebody is attuned to you. Uh, you matter in the world. And that's what allows you to go into a room where maybe your parent isn't and play with the toys and feel comfortable to explore as an infant and, you know, move from room to room and not necessarily have to wait for your caregiver to come back. And that, and that child who's attuned to, who's, you know, reliably um, fed and nourished emotionally and physically uh, becomes a securely attached adult, right? Mm. Um, and the, the children that have, um, insecure attachment, there is the, uh, the child who was, whose needs were unreliably met. So sometimes they were met and then sometimes they weren't right. For whatever reason, the parent was busy. The parent, I don't know, maybe had some sort of ailment that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't constantly, um, come back, but they did when they could. Um, So the child has a sense of knowing what it feels like to be taken care of, but they don't ever know if they will be taken care of again, right? So that creates anxious attachment. Mm. Um, And the avoid, then there's avoidant attachment where the child's needs were almost never met. Like maybe they got a bottle shoved into their mouth, um, but on an emotional level, maybe they weren't coddled enough. Maybe they weren't, um, they were pretty much neglected. Their needs were, their emotional needs were pretty much neglected and they've just shut down their emotional centers um, and uh, become very Mm self-reliant and they turn to toys uh, for, uh, you know, they they turn to things rather than people for connection. This explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything makes sense now. I get it. <laughs> it's, I love talking it, talking about it from the perspective of um, from being a baby because I feel like people can really relate. Or sometimes, you know, when you remember, you really remember. You know. Yeah. Um, and so, and then there's uh, fearful avoidant or anxious avoidant or disorganized. It's all the same name for someone who kind of has both avoidant and, um, sorry, avoidant and anxious sides to them because they were uh, probably like something, something like pretty heavy, heavily might have happened, like they were abused. Um, you know, they might have had like a mom who was a little bit of a caretaker to them, but then she was abused. You know, so it it tends to relate to some like pretty heavy trauma in childhood where they couldn't choose a way to be, right? There was always like things were always kind of changing. 
Um, but those are, that's like 5% of the population. So the secure population is 50% of the population. And then the avoidant and anxious are about 23-ish, give or take, 23% each. Um, and as adults, we carry these traits with us, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in understanding like the concept of object constancy and knowing and feeling this felt sense that you're cared for, right? As a secure person, you carry that into adulthood. You have a, an, an innate sense of self-worth, right? Because you knew that you were always going to be taken care of. Um, and so you don't need anybody to reassure you of that mm. as an anxious adult does, right? Mm. An anxious adult constantly needs to be assured um, that they, that, you know, the, their self-worth needs to constantly be reassured by another person. And they tend to, um, they tend to have one object, like one attachment uh, figure that they are attached to, right? So while the secure person is, uh, you know, uh, knows that people will help them and they can open up to people, to community, right? The anxious person always has their eye on like one person that makes them feel secure. Mm, Interesting. And the avoidant doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Where are my toys? Seriously, they like, maybe they work, you know, work is like their main thing. Maybe they um, like are bodybuilders, I don't know, or athletes, you know, or Mm. like something like that, where they get really like into the thing that they're doing. Um, They can be very, I mean, everybody can be like accomplished, you know, but they can really get into whatever the thing is that they get into, because that gives them a sense of self, a sense of reassurance, because they cannot rely on people because they couldn't rely on their caretakers to take Mm. care of them. So they just don't even know how to rely on other people. Wow. That's wild. That is wild. Um, so I'll just out myself. I am one of the 5% fearful avoidant. Okay. Very traumatic upbringing. Uh Lots Mm. of stuff there. I'm like still trying to figure out my mom's attachment style. I think she was actually secure. Okay. Which is interesting. I'm uh-huh. like, we're, you know, we're still teasing that one out again. Like, memories. Uh-huh. Is your uh, mom still in your life? Oh yeah, for sure. Both my parents are still in my okay. life. Okay. So does she, has she taken the quizzes? Um, no, I haven't. Like, so I got everyone into human design, which okay. was amazing. <laughs> Turns out my mom's a projector for anyone that, that's out there that's into human design. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm a projector too. I'm like, that's pretty wild, right? Yeah, it's so uh-huh. wild. But I'm like, I got it. Like that totally, it did not surprise me one bit. And okay. then uh, attachment style is like the next thing. That's probably, okay. that'll be the Christmas topic for everyone. <laughs> oh God, that should be fun. <laughs> yeah, get ready family. I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, so now as an adult, I'm leaning more towards the dismissive avoidance side. Okay. And, um, what makes you say that? Oh, um, well... I constantly take the attachment style quiz. (laughs) (laughs) It tells me. (laughs) Measuring it. Um, And then I'm also doing, um, or the course that I'm taking is through personal development school, which is Chase Gibson. And but how does it how does it show up for you? Is one of how does it show up for me? So I'm like totally focused on my work. I've always been focused on my work. Like that is the thing that I'm like. That's my achievement kind of barometer. I'll Uh say. 
Um, and then I like, I'm super shut down, even though, so (laughs) Flora and I know each other because we (laughs) a workshop together, um, with, um, Lace Price. My God, why am I blanking on the name? To be Lacey Phillips. Lacey Phillips. Oh my God. I'm like, what is, what are, how do we even know each other? Um, so we know each other through like a lot of like vulnerable conversations, right. but in like IRL, I uh-huh. am like very, it's, I'm very shut down and like, uh-huh. it takes a lot for me to share. And okay. so, and sometimes in conversations, like I'll be having a tough conversation or like, like in my past job, like I'd be having a conversation with a coworker and I wouldn't even know how I was feeling about the conversation or like how I wanted to react until uh-huh. like maybe the next day, uh-huh. maybe two weeks from that conversation. Uh-huh. Like I'm so out of touch with kind of my feelings, my needs, my boundaries and being able to say them out loud in uh-huh. the moment like that. Right. Not only scares the shit out of me, but I'm also like, I just don't actually know them. Right. So, and it's so different because my husband is very like, I know my feelings. I know Uh what I want Uh and has no problem expressing them. And so that Uh builds like resentment for me because he Uh can just do it. Right. It's wild. It's so Uh wild. So that's, those are the traits I would say the most, like those are the most common traits that I'm seeing popping up right now. Okay. Interesting. Okay, cool. And they've always been there. That's the craziest thing. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it's not like, cause, um, I've heard that as you're moving towards secure attachment uh-huh. style that, um, you kind of, you're like, no, no, I'm moving more towards dismissive. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, fuck all you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I love you all. No, but like, I've heard that you move towards, as people move towards secure attachment style, uh-huh. they swing towards dismissive avoidant before oh, becoming right? fully secure. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It totally makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah. Cause you can like, uh-huh. you know, you can just count on yourself, which seems very dismissive avoidant. Uh, well, it it's, makes sense even like for an anxious, to be honest with you, that you, um, uh, that in the process you go to extremes, right? Mm. Sometimes when you're trying to regulate to a middle, you, for whatever you're doing, you go to the extremes, uh, uh. in order to figure out where the middle is. You know, when people uh. start laying down boundaries, right? they're like, suddenly they're like saying no to everything. And you're like, well, what the, what the heck, <laughs> you know, like totally. you are my yes person. Now you're just saying no to everything, you know, everything. but, but it's, you know, but then they find like a comfortable place in the middle, you know? And I think it's part right. of like learning your kind of where your self-worth is. Is it all the yeah. way over here? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. So <laughs> I've been leaning more towards dismissive avoidant. And I'm uh-huh. like, yep, everything is happening exactly <laughs> as it should be. As I'm like, I'm on, uh, I'm on schedule. <laughs> yeah. 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 As I aim for that, like secure. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm curious, um, how do the different attachment styles interact? Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> um, so everyone is better with, a secure person, okay? Because secure people uh, have an inherent understanding that they're responsible for their partners, okay? Um, and they, they're able to communicate um, and they don't get put off by necessarily somebody's inability to communicate or to communicate inappropriately. Um, so the they with an avoidant person who needs some who needs more space and who's not necessarily able to emotionally connect they are secure enough the secure person is secure enough in themselves to say hey you need space no problem you know call me when you're ready 
Um, and with an anxious person who needs more reassurance, they're okay to say, hey, you need me to call you more? Okay, I love you. I care about you. Sure, I'll call you three more times, you know, three times a day instead of once a day or whatever. Sounds like a dream. Um, <laughs> everybody find this a care person. <laughs> <laughs> Go, get, get the test. Make them take the quiz. <laughs> um, and... And the, the big issue comes when the um, avoidant and the anxious get together. Um, and what, is, what happens really um, is that the anxious and the avoidant kind of feed each other's view of the world and reinforce each other's like negative subconscious upbringings. Mm. Um, and because... And they, they bring their, I feel like the subconsciouses, right, bring them together. Um, and so the avoidant do- doesn't like too much emotion, but they need emotion, right? They like want, they want someone also, but the anxious person is like, love me, love me. And the avoidant's like, no, <laughs> get away is too much you know but then they come back because they're like wait wait she liked me or you know he liked me or whatever and you know then they come back but it's a week you know they, they need a week or two <laughs> before they come back around you know mm. um but then the avoidance like the avoidance i'm sorry the anxious is sitting there thinking like oh he they're leaving again you know they're leaving again and so it's reinforcing that um you know i think what i didn't say in this whole conversation which is at ultimately at the bottom of all of the insecure attachment is abandonment issues mm. right um because you're afraid your parent is going to leave or you assume your parent has left as an avoidant um and so you're just constantly especially the anxious is afraid of uh being abandoned and so every time the avoidant pulls away they're reinforcing this idea that they're going to be abandoned and even though they don't want that right like nobody wants to be abandoned that's what they're used to and that's what their subconscious is familiar with Mm. so it's what feels normal Mm. to them and so they're re-projecting or making sure that that reality is happening I'm choosing, choosing, constantly choosing unavailable people. And the avoidant is trying to fix, you know, they like to some degree that this anxious person likes them and wants them and is paying attention to them, but they literally cannot, uh, they do not know how to engage with that and make it feel good and feel safe with it because they've never really, you know, as children, they never really experienced the proper emotional care. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. And it is is wild. wild. Yeah. And it's, you know, you see these relationships constantly like playing out. Like I'm sure you've you've had friends, maybe you've been in them yourself, you know? Um, I've been in a few. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Where you may have like a friend that you, you know, is smart and successful and maybe like, you know, a high powered executive or whatever. And then she's in this relationship um, or he that like obsessing over this person who is not giving them the time of day. And you're like, what the heck is wrong with you? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) and as either an avoidant or an anxious person, you feel like there is something wrong with you until 
you understand this, what's really going on behind the scenes, you know? So figuring out attachment there, and it sounds like it was similar for you. Yeah. um, Is just, it's like, uh, it's so relieving to know that there's a reason I'm not crazy. You know, yeah, because I started to feel crazy. I was starting to feel crazy for a while, you know. Wow. Well, so this kind of leads back to what you were talking about of being Uh dating after your marriage and dating an avoidant. So, how did Uh that like how did that play out for between your attachment styles? Um, like it had me, you know, like crying into my pillow, um, because he, like this one particular guy, I mean, it played out in other, in other relationships too, but like this one particular guy, um, he would not call, he would not call, uh, for days on end. Um, he couldn't see me more than once every week, like once every week was even a lot, like once every two weeks was the two week I knew after a long time, right. It took a while for me to get it, but I knew the pattern was he needs two weeks, you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time to get there. Right. So initially when we're connecting, um, and I recently realized he's actually fearful avoidant, but, um, initially when we're connecting, we're, he, we would hang out. We'd have this like really nice, like very intimate experience. It was amazing and felt great. And then he would leave and just not continue to communicate. So I would constantly as an anxious person have to go through this like abandonment, like this whole every two weeks, right? Like I would have to go through this that's it. It's over. He doesn't want me. He doesn't like me. And I would call him and I would text him and he would block me and I would get a new number, like a new, you know, text number or whatever. And I would text him from, and he would block me. Oh my God. And then he would call me in two weeks. Oh my God. And I, you know, in hysterical tears, like, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? Allow him back in. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing would play out again. That's so wild. And I just, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what was going on because he would also say, you know, that he cared about me and he would say the things that I wanted to hear. And I could feel it when I was with him, you know, like I knew that was there because it really, again, it's like the subconscious thing was really happening, you know? Um, and this is also called a trauma bond, right? Mm. So it was like, literally our traumas were bonding, but because I didn't understand any of this stuff in my head, none of it, it felt right, but none of it made sense, you know? And so there was this like major disconnect. And again, this is what I'm saying. Like here I am like an adult with two children. And this is what, like, I'm like a 16 year old, you know, (laughs) like a 16 year old, like in the first relationship of my life, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. Um, let's go back to trauma bonding. So can yeah. you define what that means? Well, it's basically, and you know, the kind of anxious avoidant, um, experience where you are, um, your, the things that you didn't get in your childhood, um, you are trying to fulfill through your adult relationship. Um, and so you're, you're finding people who mimic, um, your trauma, uh, from childhood so that you can try and fix it 
as an adult. Now, this is all happening subconsciously, right? Like this is not, you're not consciously going and seeking out someone who's avoidant or vice versa, you know? Um, But you're trying to fix essentially your childhood trauma through this person that you're meeting up with. Wild. So we're subconsciously choosing to relive those situations in order to heal it, which is so fascinating. Right. Right. But you're also ultimately, because you're not doing it consciously, you're just proving that you're not worthy, right? Because you're, you're having the same experience over and over, you know, yeah. uh, and recreating it with different people. And you, wow. so that's what, like, when you start seeing a pattern in your relationship life, which is what happens to me, um, you know, the third or fourth, I don't know, avoidant, <laughs> I, situation (laughs) I was like what is going on like why is this happening to me right like that's where you go you go why is this happening to me and when you start realizing that you're responsible for it that's that's the game changer you know and that's it's a really hard realization because you don't you go through life thinking, I just want to be loved, you know, yeah. like, right. Like, I just want, I just, it's so simple. Like, why would, why won't anybody love me? You know? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, the choice you are making these choices. Um, and also in like, in the TBM, you know, <laughs> uh, words and thinking, um, it's, it's also like an opportunity, Uh, When you start to recognize, when you can recognize that you're fully responsible for it, it's really um, a mirror and it's a, it's an opportunity to like learn um, how to get past it. But if you're not aware of any of this stuff, you just can't, it's, you know, you just think that you, you're doing something wrong constantly. Yeah. Or blaming someone else. Someone else. (laughs) This is right. (laughs) Good point. Avoid it. (laughs) Right here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. No, it's so, I I think that that is the, my biggest takeaway is owning Mm -hmm. my actual shit and like putting myself in, in safe environments where I know that I'm being treated fairly and then watching the shit that's coming up. And I'm like, Uh Oh, that's mine. (laughs) Like (laughs) I am now, like I can fully say like, this is a secure ish environment and this is my shit. (laughs) And I only have myself to blame. (laughs) Now it's time to reprogram that. That's, that's amazing. That's like such a big, um, that's such a big lesson, you know, and it's such a gift. When you can sit in that and you can just know that you can do something about it, you know, Um, rather than, you know, being in the why, why, why is this happening to me? Like, why is this always happening to me? Because I spent so much time there, you know, I spent so much time thinking like, uh, I don't know, that it was unfixable or it was not, um, not reprogrammable, you know? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that it is, is is yeah that's amazing it's a gift yeah it is a gift (laughs) thanks universe (laughs) uh well i'm so curious how has attachment theory how does how do you work attachment theory into matchmaking um i don't so much work it necessarily into matchmaking but it is very easy for me at this point to to know um 
if somebody is, you know, what attachment style they are, they oh, wow. are. Um, it's pretty obvious to me. Like if I ask a couple of questions or they say a couple of things or a certain way that they communicate, I can usually tell, um, wow. what their attachment style is. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. I love it, that. It is pretty cool. Um, and it's not something that I use in matchmaking, um, but it's definitely in the coaching program that I do. It's a huge part of the coaching program that I do because I think that, you know, attachment theory, it's, this isn't like, it's now becoming and now becoming understood as a relationship, like guide and a way of living in your relationships or a way that you show up in your relationships, but it's the base of kind of everything, right? Like it is where your self-worth comes from. Like we kind of just discussed object constancy, you know, in that way. So it's so much more than, um, so much more than just a relationship and, uh, matchmaking, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the beauty of it is for me that it like affects every different part of my life. So how right. I show up at work, right. how I show up in my mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 So many yeah. different. And I, I think that, um, I also think it's important to say that you aren't necessarily, first of all, it's not fixed, right? Like we right. talked about, like you can move towards, um, security and in different aspects of your life, it's not, fixed also. So mm-hmm. you may be avoidant, maybe in career and maybe in, um, in your relationships, but, um, it's not a given, right? It's where you received the reliable, um, reliable, positive reinforcement. You will thrive in that area and where you didn't receive it, uh, properly, you will be insecure in that area. So for wow. me, for example, with friendships, I don't have any insecurity issues really. I mean, I have some things that come up here and there, but um, mostly I have very secure friendships and it's not an issue for me. For me, it really is specific to my um, my like love romantic relationships. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wild. Wild. And it can be like, even as someone might be moving towards secure, like that Uh still can pop up. What can the, like the different, the different types of attachment style in different areas can. Yeah. And it also depends, I think a lot on who you're in a relationship with. Like, Mm -hmm. again, like if you're in an anxious avoidant relationship, it's going to spike to the extreme, those um, attachment styles. But if you're in a relationship with a secure person, those aren't necessarily going to come up. You will find yourself feeling very, you can find yourself feeling very secure. Sure. Little bits and pieces here and there will pop up, you know, you'll have moments, but, um, but if you're in relationship with a secure person, mostly you'll have a secure relationship. Uh, Amazing. Okay. So how do we go out and find some secure people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, make them take the test every time, just like on the first date before you go on the date, be like, do me a favor. Will you just like, (laughs) so nice to meet you before we can actually see each other. I would like you to take this quiz. I don't even at this point, I still don't have a problem with that. Like I will literally send it to like anyone. I love that. that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's pretty easy, I think, to recognize um, a secure person. Uh, 
I think secure people will be better texters. I think secure people will be um, people who get back to you and are respectful generally, um, respect your time and respect your, you know, um, anxious people will maybe, maybe text a little too much, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's like, it's so, I feel like this is, it's so superficial to even say things like this, because again, like I, as an anxious person, I've had plenty of, you know, I've ghosted plenty of people, you know? Mm. Um, and I've, I'm not, I don't necessarily overly text now, you know? But these, once you understand, I think the bigger concepts that we talked about, you can start to see uh, these things pop up. Like you can start to see how they play out Mm. in even your very superficial um, interactions. So I, I, my, I guess my, my advice would be like, uh, keep the bigger idea in mind and see if these little things are playing out or how Mm. they play out, you know? Love that. Love that. Yeah, that's huge. Um, that's really cool. So how do you use attachment theory kind of in your own practice? Um, well, you know, we'll talk about it like this. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, you want to start moving people to be to move towards secure. So, you know, there is a lot of digging into what, why their attachment style developed. Um, there's a lot of talk about where it plays out and how it plays out, you know, because, um, and also what it's very tied to, and I don't know how this is for you, actually, I'm interested to know is it ties into your, um, your nervous system, right? Uh Because, you know, anxious attachment is literally anxiety, right? There is anxiety that is caused when you are starting to feel abandoned, you know? And so, um, but as dismissive avoidant, let's say, or as fearful avoidant, do you experience the same type of anxiety? You know, it's really interesting. I'm realizing I've always been like, I'm not an anxious person. Right. But I tend to attract very anxious friends. And I always just convinced myself, I was like, this is just because I'm so grounded that all these people want <laughs> right. my friend. Right. Um, but recently through kind of the personal development school, I'm realizing that like, mm-hmm. I always have this like low grade anxiety mm-hmm. and I really noticed it. Um, this is funny, but when I actually started working for Burning Man, everyone is so at that office, like everyone is very vulnerable and they're uh-huh. like, and they express their boundaries and their needs. And yeah. so that was like a new thing for me to be in that yeah. environment. And I would like sit down at a lunch table and be super nervous if, if the conversation wasn't like flowing or uh-huh. like if there was a lull or if there was right. a long period of silence. Uh-huh. I would just be like, oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I, but I never put that together as anxiety. Uh-huh. Right. And so um, I've also heard that dismissive avoidance um, are often in their parasympathetic ner- parasympath- sympathetic nervous system that is so hard to say Uh (laughs) where it's always fight or flight. Yeah. That like that, but it's, you're exactly right. It is a low level of anxiety because they've learned to suppress their um, feelings so much that it doesn't show up as this crazy nervous energy. It's like really down below the surface. And you just reminded me of something I didn't say is that they, they did a test on these, um, on these infants that were anxious and avoidant. Right. 
And they both had the same level of um, like heart rate level of anxiety while the anxious child was hysterical crying, wanting, wanting mom. And the avoidant child was sitting quietly playing with the toy and like not paying attention to mom. They still both had the same um, heart rate levels. Oh my God. That's wild. It is wild because it's insecure attachment, right? And it's self, it's basically like an abandonment like issue at the bottom, bottom, bottom core of it. Right. But it's the same, you know, they essentially have the same problem. They just have different coping mechanisms for the same problem. Like I've never put that. I've never heard it put together like that before Uh that it's the same core wound. I think that is so ironic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we all need the same things and we're going about it totally different ways. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's funny. It's, I was talking, um, to my friends and, you know, he was say, I was saying that as an anxious person, he's anxious, I'm anxious. Right. And I, I was saying that as an anxious person, I, um, have stage fright. Right. I have, uh, it's hard. Like I can't get on stage. I, I have that, like that wash, that physical wash over me, like that subconscious like thing at play that I, I like freeze up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying that as an anxious person, he loves being on stage. He loves being in front of a crowd because it gives him validation, you know, it gives him validation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, again, it's like that self-worth thing playing out. I'm afraid to be seen. He's getting validated by being seen. Um, and so it's funny, like how our coping mechanism, let's same core wound, right? Same problem, but different coping mechanisms, you know? That's wild. And it's so different for everyone. Yes. yes. That's like, that is definitely something I've had to remind myself constantly through this practice is like my answer or my solution or my memory uh-huh. is unique to me and it's correct. Like whatever's coming up for me is the mm-hmm. right thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And different for your husband, maybe. <laughs> different for everyone. <laughs> like, it's so helpful to hear everyone else's story. And I'm like, yeah, mine's totally different. <laughs> oh, so fun. Yeah. So fun. Um, well, what is your advice for anyone that's dating right now? And then also, what is your advice for anyone that's married right now? Uh- <laughs> Um, if you're dating right now, if you're dating right now, and if you're married right now, go find yourself, (laughs) you know, like go take some time to really find, um, like the things that you enjoy and the things that you are interested in, go build yourself like an interesting life, um, that you can fall back on whether, uh, somebody is around or isn't. And, you know, it's like the, again, the coping mechanism or the idea of opposites. If you are seeking somebody out too much, if you're too desperate to have somebody, definitely go inward. And if you are the type of person that's pushing people away all the time, um, definitely seek out a safe, uh, safe connection. Mm. Find a way um, to safely start to become vulnerable um, with you know, people, uh, in your community or friends. I mean, maybe the romantic thing is a little too, you know, jumping in with two feet is a little, is a little scary, but, you know, maybe find a way to like become vulnerable with friends or, or whatever. Amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. For married people get divorced. No. <laughs> 
Right away. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. She moons light as a lawyer, you guys. <laughs> I wish, right? <laughs> um, for married people, I would say definitely uh, like get your own lives mm. um, and come back together and, you know, have something to talk about. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of married couples get kind of stuck in their routine and stuck in maybe doing couples things together all all the time. Um, And they kind of lose sight of themselves. You know, you lose sight of yourself in a relationship. And it's so easy to do that. Um, And I think the more you can hold on to yourself, the stronger your relationship will be. And everybody call me. There we go. Yes. My other bit of advice. <laughs> Call Flora, you guys. She has given me some safe advice for my marriage. It's working. It's totally working. I didn't take her first piece of advice. I took the rest of her advice. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, call Flora because I think, um, yeah, I love that you're working attachment theory into your work because that's my jam. Um, and she is, I'm just going to toot your horn a little bit, but she's very calm, cool, collected, really good listener, and will constantly point out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for anyone that's interested in um, following you, finding out about your services, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at, at redo.love on Instagram. So that's redo, R-E-D-O dot love, L-O-V-E. Um, and that's the full URL. Uh, that's the Instagram name. The URL <laughs> or on my website is www.redo.love. Um, and that's the full URL. It's a dot love. Love that. I love a dot love. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. It's fun that they made that. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. That's awesome. Cool. Well, anything else that you would like to share with us? This was great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Um, and yeah, I'm loving this, this podcast, by the way, I listened to several of them. Oh my God, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it was great. It's validating my career need. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Um, and you were talking earlier about a quiz that may or may not. Oh yeah. You want to talk about that? That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So there's going to be an attachment quiz up on my, um, Instagram or on my website. Uh, so if you guys don't know what your attachment style is, you can, um, check me out. Like I said, at, at redo.love on Instagram, and it will lead you to the, um, to the attachment quiz. Um, and also I'll have a link up there for you to get in touch with me, um, to do a discovery call if you're interested in coaching. Nice. Highly recommend. That's awesome. Or matchmaking for that matter. Oh my God. (laughs) Full service. (laughs) I like, I love the idea of you matchmaking and being like, okay, I can tell that you're like an insecure attachment style. I'm going to go find you a secure person. Like, right. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I do do that as much as I, as much as I can. I do do that. Um, yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. What a gift for the world. It's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. In the meantime, 
check out sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com.